0: to the 28 Days Later podcast with me Natalie Wilson. Together with Steve Wharton and Johnny Campbell, plus a few other guest presenters that we've got lined up, we'll be embarking on a journey around the north of England, celebrating its landscape, nature and heritage. I'm a sand grown born in Blackpool, and as a teenager I loved the sea. It was as changeable, restless and relentless as I was and I'd paddle in it all year round, and spend hours wave-watching, losing myself in the crackle of water through stones that can be heard in the backwash of waves on a shingle beach. This week, I'm taking you on a trip to the coast, but this isn't your typical seaside spot. There are no amusements or candy floss stalls here. Well, I thought today I'd come out to the coast, to the edge of Morecambe Bay. There's a couple of places I'd like to get to today. So I'm just on foot and I'm just walking a stretch of the Lancashire Coastal Way from Glasson Dock. And this is going to bring me out at Sands Abbey. I'm glad I've put my big boots on today because it is pretty soggy underfoot. And I'm just crossing through some really nice farmland, some lovely fields with some huge hawthorn trees alongside, plenty of nettles, few sheep and lots of bird life. Morecambe Bay is a very unique and important habitat. Around 120 square miles of sand flats and mud flats are exposed at low tide and covered again on most high tides. There's more than 5% of the UK's total area of salt marsh right here. As a result, Morecambe Bay supports one of the biggest overwintering and passage populations of wading birds and wildfowl in Britain. Around one quarter of a million birds winter here, travelling from as far away as Iceland, Canada and Siberia to feed on the rich local menu. I'm really glad I've made my way out here today, It's been probably a couple of years since I was last here and I'd forgotten just how peaceful this spot can be. When I arrived earlier, I timed it to arrive just after high tide and it was really grey and mizzly, and the visibility was pretty low and there was no real contrast in what you could see. But as I've walked along to the abbey, it's really cleared and lifted and the tide is receding and it's revealing huge stretches of sand, all these sandbanks and flats. Caucasians Abbey, originally built in 1184 as a hospital for lepers. It was founded by a gentleman called Hugh Garth, also known as the Hermit, and he was held in high regard locally. He asked the community for contributions to build this hospital, and so it was. It was known as the Hospital of St Mary-on-the-Marsh, because all this land here is marshland. At some point over the years, the land was drained but prior to that, it was quite treacherous to reach the building itself. Over the years, the purpose of this building changed from that of hospital to priory, and a short time later it became an abbey. Records show that in 1496, the Abbot of Shap had to hire a guide to help him cross the marsh so he could reach this far-flung building. Although it seems lovely and tranquil today, You can easily imagine this place on a stormy winter's night, rain-lashed and wind-battered, with no protection at all against the weather, and in every peril of flooding. The sea regularly wore away at the walls, and an abbot once wrote to Richard II to tell him that every day the monks were in danger of being drowned and destroyed by the sea. The remains of the abbey show that it was built from local red sandstone, readily available, easy to work with and good for carving. Unfortunately, it was also quick to weather and crumble, so in later years local gritstone was used. It is said that many local buildings to this day have some of the striking red stone in their walls taken from the abbey. The demise of Cockersand's abbey came in 1539 after Henry VIII implemented the dissolution of the monasteries. It should have happened a little earlier, as the Crown was empowered to dissolve smaller monasteries, but some creative accounting was done to show that the Abbey had a much higher income than was truthful, and so it was spared a while longer. Opposite the Abbey, a good stone's throw away, stands Ploverscar Lighthouse, eight metres tall and over 170 years old. It is one of a pair of leading lights that used to guide ships from Morecambe Bay into the Loon Estuary and on to Glass & Dock or Lancaster. The other lighthouse, the rear light, has long since fallen, although the lighthouse cottage remains. So beautifully peaceful here. There's a stillness in the air that's quite astounding. When I stop walking and making all that noise with shoes on stones, it's just beautiful. By the middle of the 1700s, Lancaster was one of the largest slave trading ports in England. The merchants sailed a triangular trading route. Goods from the UK would be loaded onto ships, things like clothes, mirrors, glass beads, gunpowder and brass and copper items. These would be taken on the outward leg to Sierra Leone, the Gambia and other places on the windward coast of Africa. The goods would be offloaded there and traded for slaves. These slaves would endure an awful journey below the decks on the Middle Passage to the Americas. If they survived this grim journey, rife with disease and suffering, there would still be no respite on dry land, as they'd be traded once more and set to hard labour. The boats would be filled with newly acquired exotic items such as sugar, tobacco, rum, rice, cocoa and also mahogany and other wood for furniture making and would return home, yielding large profits for the merchants. Around 30,000 people were taken out of Africa on Lancaster slave ships. You can find a thought-provoking memorial on St George's Quay called Captured Africans and plenty of information is available in the Maritime Museum. There is abundant and fascinating plant life on these salt marshes, and some of these plants have seafaring connections. Take scurvy grass, it's just one of the edible finds here, an acquired taste, so I believe, and allegedly rich in vitamin C. It was eaten by sailors to offset scurvy, and was highly recommended by Captain Cook on his epic voyages. Then there is samphire, a succulent from the parsley family that's become quite popular in restaurants and gastropubs. Over the years, it's been known by a number of different names. Poor man's asparagus, due to its similarity to tiny asparagus shoots. Pickled weed, because historically, the early leaves of the plant were pickled or eaten with oil and vinegar. And also glasswort, as the ash of marsh samphire contains sodium carbonate, which was used to make soap and glass. The name Samphire is said to derive from Saint-Pierre, the French for Saint Peter, who happens to be the patron saint of fishermen. The view from here reaches across the estuary to Sunderland Point, and that's where we're going next. Although it's only about a mile away directly, It's about 13 miles to drive round, probably take me over half an hour, driving through the centre of Lancaster and out west past Overton. This small hamlet contains a row of picturesque Georgian houses. It sits at the end of a tidal causeway, accessible only when the tide permits. It may be small in size, but it is large on impact. Today is a big-sky kind of day, where dark clouds loom and fill up space and make things appear wild and rugged. Many people come here, not just for the vast, ever-changing seascape, the quaint cottages and the bird life. It is a bird-lover's paradise. You can see Jack Snipe, Little Egret, Godwit, Plover, Knot and lots more. But they also come to visit the grave of Sambu, a slave, an African boy. According to an article that appeared in 1822, it's said that Sambu arrived at Sunderland Point in 1736 on a boat from the West Indies. Having been taken from his African home and sold, he'd probably been forced to work on a sugar plantation for some time before being taken as a servant or cabin boy by the captain of an unnamed ship, and he travelled all the way here. The article says that on being separated from his master for a time at Sunderland Point, Sambu fell into a complete state of stupefaction, even to such a degree that he secreted himself in the loft of the brew house, and stretching himself out at full length on the bare boards, he refused all sustenance. He continued in this state only a few days, when death terminated the sufferings of poor Sambu. In all likelihood, Sambu was suffering an ailment that he couldn't fight. Either way, he was not permitted to be buried in the consecrated ground over the way at Overton, and instead was buried by sailors, in a grave, in a lonely dell, in a rabbit warren behind the village, within twenty yards of the seashore, whither they conveyed his remains without either coffin or buyer being covered only with the clothes in which he died. I've made my way to Sunderland Point using my timing carefully, so checking the tides, making sure that we're on pretty much a low tide now so the causeway, the tidal road that leads to Sunderland Point would be nice and clear, at least of water. It's still got a coating of sand and mud in places. And I've come out to Sambo's grave and he must have had a pretty challenging life and died in lonely circumstances. But coming here, it's quite moving seeing the love and care that the local community and the wider community are showing him. There's a whole heap of stones here, painted by people, little messages from people. We love Sambo, love Eva and Alex. There's a rambling group that have left a slate plaque I come to this peaceful and beautiful place to give thanks and enjoy this charming, delightful, special burial ground. It is a very curious spot on this little bit of land, Sunderland Point meaning to be sundered from the land and it's just a kilometre from where I was earlier today over at Cocker Abbey and it seems so far looking now I can see the side of the Plover lighthouse, the sun's come out, lots of cows around here on the marshes, you probably just heard them. What a place to rest. For listening to the 28 Dales later podcast. We'll be releasing a new one each week and you can also find our blogs and photographs on Facebook. Go to facebook.com/28 dales later.